This episode of I Want to Like You is sponsored by Open Account, a podcast series created by Suchin Pak and Umqua Bank. Open Account explores, through honest and sometimes comical interviews, our uncomfortable silence around money. Open Account is available now on iTunes. Getting into college was once a normal teenage rite of passage. Now it's a global hunger games. You're competing against the kid at the best school in Singapore. Slate and Panoply are here to help. Our new podcast, Getting In, follows a group of seniors through the college application process in real time. Along the way, the students and listeners will get advice from experts with decades of experience. Getting In, a podcast about demystifying college admissions and finding the right fit for every student. Available in iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. Hello and welcome to I Want to Like You, a weekly podcast from Real Simple about how to handle the irritating people in your life with goodwill and grace. I'm Kristen Van Ogtrop. I'm the editor of Real Simple. And with me today are Carol Locknett, who is the consumer advice editor for Edmunds.com, and Bridget Ballack, who is the coalition manager for the Teen Safe Driving Coalitions at the National Safety Council. Carol and Bridget, thanks so much for being here today. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. So this week we're talking about bad drivers, hence the excellent guests that I have. Mm -hmm. I think maybe for the first time in the history of the I Want to Like You podcast, we have a a category of irritating people who are actually a public menace from a safety perspective. (laughs) So this is is both kind of a – this is an etiquette problem. It's a behavioral problem. It's a safety problem. And as the mother of of a 20-year-old and a 17-year-old, it is a maternal and paternal sleep-losing problem. (laughs) So first I want to ask you guys how – let's talk about good drivers. Let's start with the people who aren't irritating. How would you you describe – either one of you, what a good driver is? Well, I I learned this, uh, I I think I probably learned this in driver's ed a long time ago, but my colleagues here at Edmunds.com, and we're a car shopping destination, but we also review cars, we test cars. So my colleagues who are test drivers reminded me that what you need to be doing is scanning the environment. Your head is up, your eyes are up, you're sort of looking around you, not hit, not turning your head, but you're, you're aware of what's going on around you. And you're aware of what's going on around you way up the road. You're not, you don't, your eyes aren't pinned on the license plate of the car in front of you. You're looking well ahead and you're kind of almost asking yourself some what if questions, you know, what, Mm. what if that guy instantly changes lanes? I see a motorcyclist, he's lane splitting. What happens if he suddenly comes to the right and is in front of me? Um, Wait, what's, what's lane splitting? Oh, like in driving California, in the middle? It, yeah, it's legal. It's legal in California for motorcyclists to uh, sort of ride the white line between two lanes. Oh. So they should be watching out for you, but you know, you sometimes you should be scanning your mirrors and making sure that there's nobody uh, who's kind of less visible than a car coming up on you. All right. So Bridget, yeah. you you work with teens in safe driving, right? Yeah, um, I do. So let's talk about good driving. Well, generally, and then good driving in. Teenagers, is there such thing, and I can say this, I'm allowed to say this as the mother of teens, <laughs> is there such thing as a teen who's a good driver? <laughs> <laughs> 
I think your sentiment is filled or shared by uh, many other parents as well. And yeah, absolutely. There there can be good teen drivers. What What's challenging for teen drivers, and a lot of people immediately say, oh, cell phones, they use their cell phones, which is true, they do, um, and they shouldn't. But the biggest challenge for teen drivers is that they don't know how to drive. You know, they're, they're brand new at getting behind the wheel. And they went from being the safest vehicle, getting to school, which is a school bus, to to getting behind the wheel of a car. And they just don't have the experience, so they need the experience. And a lot of people are quick to, you know, get irritated with teen drivers. And they, you know, they display some irritating habits. But they can learn from us as parents and adults what are good behaviors to to establish when behind the wheel of a car. So if, you know, we say, well, teens shouldn't use the phone, they shouldn't do this and that, but then we as adults are using our phones behind the wheel of the car, we're getting distracted, we're not setting great examples for them. So we actually have the ability to be an example of the non-irritating driver before mm-hmm. they get behind the wheel and, you know, take, you know, take their inexperience with some good, good habits once they get their license. Now, you know, can I just say, as a little sidebar, I was reading an article a couple of weeks ago in The New Yorker. It was actually on The New Yorker's website about teenagers since, Mm -hmm. as I've mentioned now, about seven times I have a teenager. (laughs) And um, he's endlessly fascinating to me, sometimes in a good way. And it was talking about teenagers and driving, and there was a statistic that some – I don't know if – I don't know what kind of expert this was, but he was talking about – the difference between the accidents rates, accident rates between sort of 16 and 17-year-olds and like 19-year-olds. And there's a huge difference in because of brain development and maturity. And I thought that was so interesting. And my 17-year-old doesn't have his driver's license yet. He has his learner's permit. And I read that and I thought, okay, I'm not, I'm not pushing for this kid to start driving and maybe he'll wait till he's like 19. And then his chance of having an accident goes way down. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there, there, there is a development aspect to it, and the frontal lobe of our brains is the last part of our brain to develop, which does, which usually ends up maturing around, you know, mid to early to mid twenties. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you have these teenagers with these, you know, parts of their brain that, like, that's the risk-taking part of their brain that develops last. So, um, so then you get them behind the wheel of a car, and then you add an experience, and you add more likelihood to take risks. But if they wait till they're 19, you know, then you're still dealing with the element of inexperience. So it's okay. Right. Like, they should be driving. They should have a lot of practice, but we should be helping them through that instead of, you know, I mean, of course it's scary because you're like, oh my gosh, they, you know, they're, they're still like kids to, to their parents. And, and mm-hmm. there's an element of just practicing with them, you know, get them out in, in road conditions that are a little questionable. So you can be with them when they're trying to figure out like, should I take a left-hand turn here? Should I, should I make some of these more difficult maneuvers? And if you're in the car with them to say, you know, even if you are trying to pull your hair out as they are about to make a decision, at least you can be there to coach them through it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, spare some of your hair eventually in the, <laughs> the more you practice with them. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, absolutely. There's a developmental difference, but I mean, even if they're 19 and they get behind the wheel of a car uh, and they haven't driven before, you're still dealing with the aspect of inexperience, which could be, you know, dangerous, but depending on the behavior could also be irritating on the road. Mm-hmm. So I want to ask Carol a question about this 
I've already forgotten what it's called when the motorcyclist in California is allowed to drive in the middle mm. of the, on the white line. Right. It's called lane Let's, splitting. When you see, when you are behind a lane splitting motorcycle driver, mm-hmm. does that make you nervous? No, not really. I'd, I'd rather have them in front of me than in my blind spot, for example. <laughs> okay. No, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's not the vehicle so much as the behavior. People, in my experience, when motorcyclists are lane splitting, they're normally doing it because traffic is very slow mm-hmm. and they have the opportunity to, you know, kind of get ahead because they can, they can split the lane. It's, it's other drivers on freeways in heavy traffic doing ridiculous things that make me nervous. Okay, so here's a question for you, because I've had this experience, as I'm sure you both have. Say you're on, you know, here on the East Coast, it would be I-95, right? Say you are on a big highway where cars are moving quickly, and you're behind a car, and this is, this, I mean, this is about both just bad driving and safety. You're behind a car that is driving erratically or slowing way down in the left lane or, you know, doing something that's bad and you're behind them. What is your advice for, do you slow down so as not to overtake them? Do you try to go around them? Like, how do you get that unsafe? Do you call 911? Like, how do you get that unsafe person out of your life? Uh, I think it's probably important to look out for your best interest and, and keep yourself safe first. So if you're noticing someone's driving erratically, you know, find a way not to be around that person. If you have someone in the passenger seat with you who has a phone that can make a phone call, if you really feel like this person is a danger on the road, then that person should do that. But definitely shouldn't put yourself at risk by trying to then use your phone to call somebody to report on this driver because now then mm-hmm. you have potentially two erratic drivers that are on the road, even though yours is probably intentional and, and who knows if theirs is unintentional as well. But keep yourself safe and keep your distance from that person if you can. And then again, if someone's in the car with you and you want to report it, then they should be the one that uh, maybe makes a phone call. Is it okay if you have hands-free dialing or voice-activated dialing to call 911 that way, Bridget? Uh, well, I think if it's in the case of an emergency, you know, there's there, it's not safe to to use your it's not safe to use your phone even if it's hands free, um, only because there's the element of cognitive distraction. So mm-hmm. trying to operate a vehicle requires a lot of you know brain power essentially, and then to do that and try to have a conversation at the same time, it's you're constantly switching tasks in your brain between between doing one and the other, that there's no, there's no such thing as really multitasking. So it's, it's very difficult to properly operate a vehicle while having a conversation at the same time. And if you have to look down at your phone to make that phone call, you're, you're putting yourself at risk. So, I mean, if you had to, I would say even pull over to the side of the road to make that phone call. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I have to say, con- confession and, like, Bridget, that was life-changing for me because – I will, I will confess to you that when I get in my car, if my phone is hooked up to the Bluetooth in my car and I've got a long drive, I think, oh, I can call my parent. Like, I think, who can I call that I have uninterrupted time and I can talk to them for half an hour on the phone, which I would never do at home? Right. How horrible. I am a menace to society and I didn't even know it. So basically, I should never do that again, right? 
Well, right. I mean, it's and you and a lot of other people behind the wheel of a car are feel are thinking the same thing. And I don't think they realize that it is a dangerous habit and behavior. And what makes it dangerous is that, you know, a lot of people think, well, if you're safe because you're on the phone, well, a lot of times people have long duration, you know, the, their phone call is long in duration. So mm-hmm. you are you are becoming more and more distracted the longer the conversation goes on and you're stopping, you're not able to recognize as many hazards that are around you because you've, you've now been on this in in this conversation for more than however long you're on it, but mm-hmm. it's that it's that length of time, and that's what ends up getting people into trouble. And it's very different than being in the car with other people around you, if I if I understand this correctly, because you're all in the environment together. So you could be having a conversation with your mom, right? Yeah, and she's in the car with you, but you both see. Look, <laughs> look at that Mack truck up there that's suddenly Right, that you're about to like, hit, right. Exactly. Well, and I will say, if I stop doing this, it will probably make my parents happy because I think it annoys them that I mostly only call them when I'm in the car. So, so. <laughs> Right. You, now you you've surprised. made... I mean, there's, there's always that element. You know someone's in... If they're on the phone and you're talking to them, you know that there's that like pause that they have in conversation where it's like, oh, and then we... What was it? Oh, we went. Yeah, we yeah we stopped by there. Yeah, we did that because they're trying to make a difficult maneuver on the road, and you can hear it in their voice that they can't do both at the same time. Yeah. And if they are, they're probably really making someone mad behind them because they've just done something that has irritated somebody else on the road. I think another good indicator that you're having a problem when you're you're driving and talking to somebody on the phone is if you can't remember what just how many stops or how many exits you just passed. Right. That's a good indicator that that you were not present. You know, you were you were in physically in the car, but your head was someplace else. Money is one of the last great taboos, something we all need but rarely dare to discuss until now. Open Account, a series of interviews created by Suchin Pak and Umqua Bank, explores our collective uncomfortable silence around money. Honest, emotional, and sometimes comical, Open Account goes deep into the most rewarding, challenging, and paradoxical aspects of the number one leading stressor in America, money. Open Account is available now on iTunes. Now, what do you do, you two, when you are in a car with someone who, and you're a passenger, and you think the driver is a bad driver. Are you married to him or not? Sometimes you're married to him, yeah. It's possible that you're married to him. <laughs> or it's possible that he's your child. Or it's possible that they're someone you don't know very well. So, uh, let's talk about all three. Uh, well, I, I can use this as a personal example. So my husband was driving, and he was listening to one of his favorite podcasts. And he gets mm-hmm. really into the zone when he's listening to his podcast. And he ends up stopping on the train tracks, thinking that he has enough time to get through. And I was, I, I, I mean, I probably could have handled it in a more um, (laughs) dignified way, but I figured we're on the train tracks and he's my husband. So yeah. So I was like, get, you know, get off the train tracks immediately, like make a decision. And then he like, yeah, it was, it was not my favorite moment, but ever since then I was like, don't worry, I'll drive. No, it's fine. I'll drive. But he's been actually ever since that moment, he's been a lot more cognizant than when he's behind the wheel of a car. Yeah, I think your behavior with with someone who's a bad driver depends on a couple things. I think for me anyway, I I have to sit, really ask myself, is this person a bad driver or is it just because I'm not driving? You know, there are people have different driving 
styles. That's a huge difference. All right, so we can you talk about that a bit? Because I think I have that disease that you're talking about. <laughs> well, I just think you have to if if you can if you if you just don't like the way the person is driving because they tend to brake harder than you do or mm. they drive, or they drive a too fast. Yeah, yeah, they drive faster than you do. That's one thing. But if they you know are are actually putting your life in peril, then and I think you can tell the difference as a passenger what's going on. You know, to to Bridget's point, I think it depends on who that person is. If you you can say some things to a spouse that you can't say to other people. Let's say your boss is driving. You're not going to call her a jerk, right? You're going to try to be <laughs> diplomatic. And uh, I think, as Bridget pointed out, maybe what you do is you you plan for the next time how how you're not going to be in this situation again. Do you think there are gender differences in driving skill? Well, I, I, I devolved to the data <laughs> for the answer because this is one of those fraught questions where, you know, you start, how do you right. start an argument? Who's a better driver? But, you know, men are more, tend to be more involved in, in accidents, if I understand it correctly, because of how they drive. They tend to drive faster than women do. They tend to drink and drive more than women do. And mm-hmm. they tend to not wear their seatbelts as much as women do. And, and Bridget, I'm sure, has much more information than I do. But I, I think you put those things together and you kind of get a picture of someone who's a, perhaps a, a driver who's more willing to take risks than a woman would be. I think whether you're a man or a woman, male or female, you, you, you both are susceptible, both genders are susceptible to making bad decisions. And I think it's just a matter of experience and what they've seen and how they've been taught to drive and what they're, you know, how they grew up driving. And if, if people are continuing not to be present on the road, I think you're, you can be susceptible, whether you're male or female, to being a bad driver. Uh, I've, seen, I've seen both. I've seen both, you know, I've seen it on both sides of the coin. So I think it's just a matter of the choices that each individual is making behind the wheel of a car. What's your position on eating in the car? Eating while driving. Because we all eat and drink now. We have giant cup holders, right? So we're all eating. I feel like half of my meals are spent in the car on the weekends, driving from kids from one thing to the next. Like, how do you feel about eating and driving? I don't eat in the car, not because of a, a safety issue so much as that, uh, that I'm just a chronic spiller. And I just, I can't get from point A to point B clean if I, if I eat or drink in the car. Okay, so you are not philosophically opposed, <laughs> but you don't do it because you spill. Yeah, I mean that's that's my that's my vain reason for doing it. I, I think that it is, <laughs> and anything you do that's not driving is is a little dangerous, you know. I mean, oh. my my worst uh, my my worst thing I do when I drive is I listen to books. But mm-hmm. I I would argue that listening to Pride and Prejudice on the freeway is is probably a good counterbalance to all the cr- the craziness that's going on around you. <laughs> I would I would have to agree with that. I think I think Pride and Prejudice basically under any circumstance makes that makes that situation better but you know <laughs> like you I guess that's personal preference. Bridget, how do you feel about eating and driving? I, I think if you're going to eat and drink while dry, well, not, not of course, non-alcoholic right. beverages, and it, it distracts you, well, then you probably shouldn't do that. Because all it takes is that one moment where you drop something and you look down or you try to grab for something, and it could be a couple inches and the road conditions aren't ideal. That could could be a poor choice that you have to pay for for the rest of your life. And no one sets out 
that day to have hurt themselves or somebody else, but mm-hmm. they don't realize how important it is, like Carol was saying at the beginning, to be present in your driving. And if you're eating and you're drinking and that's going to distract you from being present, people just need to be aware that it does. It takes very, very little to to cause a crash. And they, it, it's. I think our cars have become so comfortable and our commutes have become so you know we're we're in the car so much that it's it it's an active and conscious decision to be present while driving if you are driving with someone and they're texting which which is illegal i think in some states but not all states right what do you do right well i'll usually say hey listen let me do this for you let me let me just send the text for you i'd like to arrive <laughs> at my destination alive and i'm sure you do too i usually try to make it a little bit lighter um and then sometimes i'll just tell them that i work for the National Safety Council, and even saying that, they're like, ooh, <laughs> all right, <laughs> like she's going to yell at me or something. But, I, you know, I try to make light of it, but I'm like, hey, listen, let me just – let. why don't you focus on the road, and I'll help you. Like, we'll work as a team together, and I'll send this text for you. Like, you can't do both at the same time. I wish you – I wish you, you know, you, but you can't. But have you ever had people who are like, oh, no, no, I got it? Um, and then yeah, they and then won't. I'm like, well, actually, you don't. <laughs> but, <laughs> or like, just pull over if it's that important. Just, or I'll say, do you want me to drive? And usually, if I offer more and more options, they're like, fine, <laughs> you know, just take yeah. it then. You should say, let me give you some really scary statistics. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. Right. You you could have a laminated card and pull it out. Well, then they, then you'd have to read the laminated card, I guess, which would not be good. But, well, right, and, no, that's, and that nine out of ten, uh, you know, nine out of, out of ten of all crashes are caused by driver error. So this is one mm. of those big errors. Well, and I bet with a lot of people, they're like, oh, no, it's just this one little thing, one quick thing, mm-hmm. you know. And, I mean, it's not like they're writing Pride and Prejudice, say, on their phone. Yeah. <laughs> right, but, and, and it's, it's not like anybody else who was in a crash from a distraction was like, oh, it's this really big thing that I know is very difficult and will put me in, in everyone's lives at danger. It's, it's a way to justify activity. But all those crashes were caused by one little thing. And no one, yeah. no one that day wanted to get out and say like, oh, I'm going to cause some big time damage today. No, they just think, yeah. oh, I'm going to justify it by saying it's one, this, this one little thing. And it's just reminding people that they're just as fallible as, as anybody else. Or it's, it's interesting because people will think, oh, well, I'm a good driver, but all those other people who are using their phone are really, really bad. <laughs> it's like uh, you know, our brains are kind of the same. We can't do this two things at one time. All right. So I'm going to remember, Carol just said something a minute ago, anything you do that is not driving basically while you're driving is bad or you know, could be potentially really bad. So and maybe that's the big takeaway, right, from both of you. You have to – when you're driving, you really just – you have to try to really just drive. <laughs> right. Yes, yep. exactly. Okay. Well, I think that's about it for this week's episode of I Want to Like You. Thank you so much, Carol and Bridget, for joining me. I will never make a phone call again in my car <laughs> unless it's an emergency. <laughs> Our producer today is Tim Einenkel. Please let us know what you think of the show. Our Twitter handle is at Real Simple, or you can tweet ideas for this podcast directly to me at Kay Van Ogtrop. For more on irritating people and how to handle them, go to realsimple.com. And of course, subscribe to us in iTunes. For Carol Lochnet and Bridget Ballack, I'm Kristen Van Ogtrop. Thanks for joining us. <laughs>